There was a Navy ship that was saw smoke coming from one of three huts on an uncharted island in the South Pacific. So they decided to send a small ship over there to check it out. And when they got there, they found a single person, just one man. He said, I've been shipwrecked here for about five years. I'm all by myself. And they said, well, if you're all by yourself, why do you have three huts? And he says, oh, that's simple. He said, the first one I live in. That's the one you see the smoke coming out from. He said, the second one is where I go to church. So he said, what's the third one for? He says, oh, that's where I used to go to church. (laughs) It seems like no matter where we are, folks, we can find a reason to become offended. We can find a reason to uh, get upset at something that another person has done or said. And a lot of things have been in the news about the church's response to things like homosexuality. And if you're up on Facebook, I posted we were going to look into that here today. Uh, Because it seems like that a lot of times Christians are saying some things in the Word of God and the the world is getting upset at what we're saying. Isn't that shocking? That is kind of surprising, isn't it? But we just wanted to take this back over to the the Word of God and see what it is. So we will discuss a little bit about the the homosexual issue as far as uh, what the Bible says about it. But more importantly... What I want to look at is how are we supposed to respond? Because you know what? God wants people that are in sin, whatever sin, to get out of the sin and get to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. So is it, the, is it the word of God's viewpoint that if a person practices homosexuality, if they are a homosexual, is there any chance they're going to get to heaven? So we're going to look into this. We'll talk about it. Here's what I don't want you to do. After the service, don't come up and debate me on this. Just because most of the time people want to debate me on this, it is they want to debate, well, I have a friend, I have a relative, I have a brother, I have somebody who is homosexual, and I just can't believe that they're not going to heaven. I don't care about that as far as making the doctrine is concerned. I care about it that someone's going to hell, but I don't care about it as far as determining the doctrine. I don't care about the world's opinion or that we need to stay relevant because to me, and I've told you this all as long as we've been here as a church. I've told you my viewpoint is the word of God is right. If my viewpoint differs from the word of God, I am wrong. And I need to find out what I need to fix to get it right. There are some things the word of God does not give us a definitive viewpoint on. But there are some things that it gives us a very definitive thou shalt not. This, this is the will of God. This is what's going on. And we don't debate those. I don't, I don't debate those. If God said don't do it, well, <laughs> we got to get in line with that. But here's how we're going to start. We're going to look at some questions because Jesus was asked some questions like this. Not this particular question, but questions like this. We don't quite have what's going on down in Houston going on here. No one has called for anybody's sermons and, and such things like that. But apparently down in Houston, they're going through some, some things on that and... and uh, I don't think it'll be, be limited there. If they feel like they can get away with it, don't move it to other places. That's why elections are important. Make sure you find out what their viewpoints are. Don't just put them in there because they got an R or a D next to them. You've got to find out what their viewpoints are. Matthew 22. We've got all kinds of questions that happened in this chapter. But we've got to understand that not just because somebody asks you a question. Please get this down. This is not in your notes. You can write it down there if you need to. But just because somebody asks you a question does not need, mean you need to answer it. 
You don't need to give the truth to everyone. What do you mean? Of course, if we know the truth, we have to. No, you don't. And we'll prove it to you from the Word of God. That's our authority, right? Our authority is the Word of God. And that's what we've got to go with. Here's uh, verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Do you know that there are people out there right now that plot how to entangle you, Christians, ministers, people of the, of the gospel? They are trying to entangle you with your talk. They do not care about the truth that you would say. They simply want to catch you in something that you say. That's all they want to do. So Jesus has these folks coming to him all the time. Their purpose is to ask the question, not because we want to know the answer, simply because we want to entangle him. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God and truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of man. Now, they're sending other people, their disciples, because, you know, their faces would be recognized. Jesus says, oh, these are, these are some problem people. So they sent some other folks around to maybe get by that. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? <laughs> they don't want to know what the truth is. They're simply looking for a question that if you answer yes or you answer no, you're in trouble. That's all that they want. If you answer yes, you answer no. That's why they, they come to you and they'll ask you questions like, do you believe that all homosexuals are going to hell? Well, if you say yes, you've got trouble with one side. If you say no, you've got trouble with another side. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to get to heaven? If you say yes, you've got trouble with one group of people. If you say no, you've got trouble. They don't care that Jesus Christ is. They just want to get you caught. That's all. They've got to know what's going on with these folks. Now, he knows this. Jesus knows this. So tell us, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So all the people are around and say, yeah, is Jesus going to say that we should pay? Because we don't like paying taxes to Caesar. We do it because we have to. They'll force us to. But we don't think it's good that we do. But Jesus perceived their wickedness. Calls it wickedness. See, the people, folks, who are phrasing the questions are wicked. So get that down. There's only so much you can do with wicked people. There are sinners... There are lost people, but then there are wicked people. And that's what he calls these guys. Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Well, that could get somebody upset, huh? So, show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar. He said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard these words, they marveled and left him, and they went their way. Well, what do you say to that? Did he say yes? Did he say no? He didn't say yes or no, did he? He didn't really fully answer their question. Because their question was, is it lawful? He didn't approach it from a law standpoint. He simply said, give me one of your coins. Whose inscription? All right. Well, then, if this is Caesar's, give it to him. But make sure you give it to God what's his. All right. We can't do anything with that. So, uh, we got the next group up. You know, in baseball, if the first batter strikes out, what happens? You bring the next batter up. See if he can do anything. All right. So, batter two. The same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him. Now, they say there is no resurrection, but their question is about the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't that, doesn't that make sense? 
I don't believe there's a resurrection, but I'm going to ask you a question about the resurrection. Don't you think we ought to take care of that resurrection issue first? See, people are going to ask you questions about things they don't believe. So if they don't believe it, why, shouldn't, why in the world should you be answering the question? Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also and the third, even the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. So apparently the, uh, the, the first husband she picked is in a very unhealthy family. <laughs> Meaning that right? All seven of them died before this, this woman. She comes from a healthy family. She married into an unhealthy family. I think there's a problem there. I think we ought to just, just address that one. Anyway, all seven died. Last of all, the women died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. And Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. Sometimes people ask you questions out of disbelief, not having the foundation of it right. He says, you've, you've based this on something wrong. First off, it's not like how it is down here. It's not the same way in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the, when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. <laughs> well, again, what can they do with that? I mean, if he would have come up with an answer and said, well, he would have been the first, the, she would have been the wife of the first husband. Well, then why did he marry all, you know, all these other questions would be coming out. He didn't do that. He says, you know, you're off on your presuppositions. You've, you've assumed that these things are true, and they're not. And beside that, God's not the God of the dead. That's, I love that statement, don't you? And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. So now you're getting people who don't like each other to gather together against you. From that uh, famous uh, uh, deal, the friend or the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees are doing here now. So we're not done yet. Verse 36. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now you get into another place where it talks about this. He was trying to justify himself because he meant this as a hard question, and Jesus answered it pretty easily. So he then said, he, he had a follow-up question. Who then is my neighbor? And we all know the parable that came out of that. We go on here in verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? So they've asked him some questions. He's going to ask them a question. What do you think about the Christ? That's the Messiah. Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said, that, See, they answered the question. Didn't they? He said, Whose son is he? They answered the question, his, He's the son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? <laughs> he says, You know what? If you want to play this game, come on. I'll give you some questions. And no one was able to answer him a word, and nor from that day on did anyone dare ask him any more questions. Because when he asked them a question, he's exposing that you guys are ignorant. So, he was, uh, so they, 
they had that problem going on there. And Well, he goes on here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 21, verse 23. Now, when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him and as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? He's teaching. And they come and they interrupt him. That's kind of disrespectful, isn't it? They interrupt him teaching. The multitude that was there, the, the folks that were gathered. By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Now, do they really want to know? They believe that Jesus is false. They don't believe in Jesus as being uh, of God. They're not, ask, they're not looking for an answer. They're simply trying to get people to question him. That's all. Sometimes, folks, people come to sow questions in you for the sole purpose of getting you to question God. That's it. You don't need to have those questions come in. There ought to be some questions you ought to just settle. First off, God is God. That's it. God is God. The, the Word is His book to us. That's what He gave us is His instructions. God is God. The Bible is His Word. You ought to just go off those assumptions. I'm saved through Jesus Christ. Not by my works, but by His works. Don't let anyone question these things for you. But Jesus answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. Here's what we're doing and what you can face. Learn this from Jesus. If people really wanted to know truth, they would be able to declare truth. If people really want to know the truth, they would be able to declare the truth they know. If they won't declare the truth they know... They don't really want to know the truth you're about to share. So he said, let's get you to declare something. Let's take another guy. Let's take John the Baptist. The baptism of John. Where was it from? From heaven or from men? It's a simple question. So they had a little, little convoy, a little huddle. Here in Philadelphia, we don't know what a huddle is anymore. But when we used to have football that had huddles, this one, you know, they all came together and they talked about what they're going to do in a play and then they would all go out to the line of scrimmage. We don't see that anymore. But here they had a little huddle up. They said, all right, hold, we're, we're going to answer you in a minute. We've got to have a little huddle. Come on, guys, huddle in here. And so they all get huddled in and they had this little discussion among themselves. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe? They even know what Jesus is going to say. They even realize we are set up here. <laughs> If we say it one way, we're going to have a problem. If we say it the other way, we're going to have a problem. So that tells you right there, they're not looking for the truth. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we, we fear the multitude. Remember, John was saying, this is the Christ. This is, the, this is him. But if we say from men, we fear the multitude. For all, for all counted John as a prophet. Where do they fear God? Where's the fear of God in this? They have more fear of the multitude than they do of God. Shows you how big their God is. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. And they think, well, we gave you an answer. <laughs> we don't know. And Jesus said to him, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Sometimes, folks, you can just get people in a position where they must declare their position. If they won't declare their position, you have no reason to declare yours. And walk away. They're not looking for truth. So we went through all this just to let you know. There is a good way to answer a question, but not all questions need to be answered. You can walk away from some questions. Some people are just trying to pick a fight. 
They're just trying to make you look bad. They're just trying to put you down. Wouldn't you like to get to a place where you answer questions like Jesus did? Now, here's a question. Why do people get so upset at some of the answers that have come out? Now, why do people get so upset when you say, well, Jesus is the only way? Why do people get upset when people say, well, the Bible says that homosexuals will, this will happen to them, this is the punishment. Why do people get so upset when you tell them things, truth from the word? I put three reasons down. Maybe there's more, but these three can probably encompass everything. Uh, basically, people have this attitude about themselves. First off, don't tell me what to do. Have you ever seen that? I mean, if you want somebody to do something, just tell them uh, the opposite. Don't tell me what to do. Here's the other one. Don't tell me what not to do. Don't tell me that I need to do that. And don't tell me I don't need to do this. I'm going to do. This is what people are saying. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, see, that's a problem. Here's the the last one. Don't tell me I'm going to hell. Don't you tell me I am. Mm -mm, You don't know. That's, that's, they don't, people don't like it. Did Jesus ever tell people they were going to hell? Yes, he did. Did Paul ever tell people that they were going to hell? Yes, he did. Did Peter ever tell people they were going to hell? Back in the Old Testament. Did Elijah ever tell people they were going to hell? I think as far as Elijah was concerned, everyone he met was going to hell. He thought they were all going to hell. He didn't, he didn't think any of them were any good. But people get upset at these things. There's a reason why they get upset at these things, and we'll find out why that is. So Jesus answers by first giving them the truth and let them draw their own conclusions. This is the first thing he does. Jesus, when he answers a question, he will give them truth and let them draw their own conclusions. All right, here's the truth. Here's here's truth on this matter. Truth on this matter is render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Now draw your own conclusion. But after that, He'll get, he'll get a little more direct. If people are not getting the message and they're getting hard to the gospel, he will, he will be very direct with them. Remember what he said to the, to the leaders, spiritual leaders of the day? You make your followers twice as fit for hell as you are yourselves. I don't think you get much more direct than that. Don't think so at all. You know, you listen to these news media and the, and the, the way that they are, you know, uh, crucifying religious leaders and people that, that uh, have, have answered questions of this thing. Well, folks, most of those folks in the media are on their way to hell. How can they make any kind of judgment about people whether they are going or not going? You're already on the boat. All right, here's a question for us. Will all homosexuals go to hell? Will all homosexuals go to hell? What's the Bible stand on this thing? So first off, I am not going to give you all the scriptures on homosexuality. There are a number of them in the Word of God. There is a number of stories. Cities have been destroyed because of homosexuality. A a tribe in Israel was almost completely wiped out because of homosexuality. That's the tribe of Benjamin. Here's some scriptures. Luke 18, 22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. That's pretty plain. Verse uh, 13 of chapter 20. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Well, there you go. I mean, that's... 
He says, this is not right. Is it, is it clear? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So by, on the basis of this, our people who are fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, so are they going to heaven? But he also said, and so were some of you. So he's telling you very plainly there that though you may have been, it does not seal your faith that you cannot get to heaven. Romans chapter 1, verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. That's being a lesbian. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. Men committing, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Now, this is what the scripture is saying. I understand what the scripture is saying. How many of you understand what the scripture is saying here? If you're a woman, you go carry on with another woman. That's, that's not good. That's outside of the normal use. And if you're a man carrying on with another man. I don't understand why that is. You know, I, I enjoy playing football. I enjoy having some conversations with men. There's a whole mess of other things I don't enjoy <laughs> with, with men. I, I had a guy, you know, we were, we were trying to help him out of homosexuality. And I think I told you, this. I, I, he sat down. He said, I need to explain to you why men are attracted to me. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> I said, there's no way I am going to understand it. I said, men are just not attracted to me. I don't, I don't think they're all that handsome. They're, I mean, they're okay, uh, but, you know, um, I don't understand it. Women are far better looking. I, I just don't understand it. I, I, I don't get it. But it's, it's, it's not natural. It is not natural. Now, if you just go in the nature of, of things, homosexuality will be eliminated. Because uh, two men cannot produce a baby without the help of heterosexuals. And two women cannot produce a baby without the help of heterosexuals. It, it doesn't happen. So they will not be able to procreate. He's saying, this is unnatural. I'm thinking, Paul's even saying, do I have to write about this stuff? It's been going on for a long time. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, what's he putting as the cause for homosexuality? Lesbianism. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a debased mind. Now, just look at it right here. God gave them who? Lesbians and homosexuals. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. That's what he says. If it's the word of God written here, if it says that God gave them over to a debased mind, can it be that God created them in that condition? No. Just in the scriptures we read so far. Do you get the image that, well, I made them that way? No. no. He, God does not make people. in. It's outside the natural way of doing things. He says, no, I put inside of man a desire for women. And I put inside a woman a desire for man. 
It's the way I did it. Other things came in and perverted it. They didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. And this is the way they went. So God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who know, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Here is a key to this passage understanding it. It is the word practice. And you will see this in other places as well. These are not in your outline. I'm just going to read them real quick. If you want, you can write them down. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. God is interested in the things that you practice, not so much the things you commit. He's looking at your practice. He's looking at your habits. A person who practices those things. What's the word practice mean? It mean if you practice the violin, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get better at, it, better at it. If you practice medicine, what are you trying to do? Get better at it. If you practice driving for your test, what are you trying to do? Is there a context in which practicing does not mean trying the same thing over and over and over and over again and for the purpose of improving and getting better at it? Isn't that different from committing to sin? I'm not just committing to sin. I'm not just falling into the sin. I am practicing this. If I am going to take up the violin, I am going to have to designate time in my day to practice the violin. It will have to be a deliberate attempt for me to get there to practice the violin. Whatever it is that you're going to do, if you were going to practice it, if you're going to do, you've got to make time. Between this time and this time, I am going to practice the violin. I am going to practice this instrument or whatever it is that you, that you want to do. We're going to practice it. These guys practice lawlessness. Matthew thirteen forty one. The Son of Man will send over out His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. And will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in their kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What happens to those who practice lawlessness? They'll be cast out. Now, here's the thing with the Word of God that we looked at so far. He's not, he's not isolating this to people that are involved in lesbian and homosexual acts. To those people who have adopted that lifestyle. He is not limiting that. He has broadened it to be quite open to a number of other things. If you practice these things, if you continue to go after these things, in Jude chapter 1 verse 6, then the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode. If that is new to you, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, we had certain angels that Satan was able to convince to go on down to the daughters of men and produce babies. And those babies were known as the giants. 
the first group of giants that came into the world were wiped out by the flood. Noah is said to have been perfect in his generations. That's how the word puts it, which means he had no giant blood in him. The purpose of the devil was to pollute the blood of men so that a perfect Messiah could not be born. He would not be all man. He would have this mixture of blood and therefore salvation would be impossible. So the flood wiped out that first group of giants so that only we started everything out with Noah's family. As family, God said, I won't do this again with the flood. And so we had another batch of angels who were dispatched and they also produced giants. And David was facing one of the giants. The last of them, there's only a few left by the time David Saul was supposed to wipe them out. Some of the other judges were supposed to wipe them out. Israel going into the promised land was supposed to wipe out these, these giants to get rid of that blood from the earth, lest it would mess with the, uh, the light. That's why the Jews stayed so pure in their, their genealogies. They wanted to make sure that their bloodline was right because Messiah was coming from the Jews. It was very important. So the angels did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. He has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Those angels, the group in the first group, the group in the second group, those angels were judged and have already been put away. Before the time. Remember that Jesus came up to the, the man with the demons? Have you come to judge us before our time? Why did they say that? Because it's already been done. Two groups of angels had already been judged before their time. Two groups of angels, these were demons, but two groups of angels were already judged. Are you going to come and judge us? Maybe we push the envelope a little bit, trying to put all these demon spirits in this one guy. Anyway, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh and set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. What did Sodom and Gomorrah, what were they guilty of? Well, remember when Lot was in there and the angels were dispatched because of Abraham's intercession and they came over there and they have the appearance of being male. And when they came into the house, they knocked on the door. Hey, bring those men out. And they said, look, you can't do this. These are, these are people I'm supposed to be. They're, they're, they're my guests. I can't let you do that. Here, take my daughters. And they said, we don't want your daughters. We want the men. I don't know why Lot made that offer. But that's what he did. And uh, the angels uh, basically put blindness on them all. They got, grabbed Lot and they said, let's get out of the city. Now judgment is coming. And they got out of the city and the, the place was destroyed. So these are angels who did not keep their proper domain. They left their abode. In uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 6, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two... Parentheses, male and female, shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. What do you think God's view in this marriage issue is? Is it, is, is it unclear? Very clear. Does, does that mean that men are not going to go out there and marry men or that women are not going to go out there and marry women? People disobey God all the time. It's just, if you, owe, if you disobey God, you will pay the consequences. Let's bring it down a little bit. How many people have, don't raise your hand, but how many people have ever gone over the speed limit? 
<laughs> We've gone over the speed limit, haven't we? Have we paid the price for going over the speed limit? All, not all the time, have we? But there have been times when we look down at our speedometer and we see, oh, man, I'm going faster than I should. Right? <laughs> I've told you the story before. When I said that, had that probe in there, that probe had a digital speedometer. And I found out that the digital speedometer topped out at 85 miles per hour. I did discover that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, apparently, I was never going any faster than 85 in my probe. But, of course, they have its own roads when they had increased the speed limit to 75. I used to love going out to Tulsa because you would go through Ohio. It was 75-mile-an-hour speed limit. It was, it was, I think Ohio was the one. There was a couple of states that, was, that were run nice that way. They had this extra speed limit going on. Once they got rid of that 55 thing, you can go fast. We, uh, we like that. But we have sometimes disobeyed a traffic law and not paid the price. And we go, oh, just ran that red light. Oh, I can't believe I ran that red light. Oh, and we feel bad. We ran the red light. But no one was around and no one gave us a ticket. But if you were speeding, you were going 80 in a 65 mile an hour zone and the red and blue lights turn on behind you and they pull you over. Do you realize I missed it? I am guilty of speeding. And you throw yourself on the mercy of the officer and hope that maybe he'll just give you a warning or something like that. But if he gives you a ticket, you know that it's justified. Right? But there are people who don't accept the authority of God. And they say, I want to go 85, I want to go 90, and you can't do anything about it. That's a wrong attitude. That's not some, uh, a way that we should go. But he says, male and female... That's it. Man shall be joined to his wife. 1 Timothy 1.3 As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may change, or charge some that they teach no other doctrine nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith from which some having strayed have turned aside to idle talk. Have we not seen... People stray from the truth. What we need to do is get back to the truth. The truth is found where? In the Word of God. That's where the truth is. We sometimes have strayed from it. We need to go back to the Word of God. Oh, oh, I've missed it. I've strayed off of the truth. How many times have you strayed off of the truth of what you should do with your car? I don't know about you, but how many times have you been behind someone who, don't, who do, seems to have forgotten the basic rule, do not change lanes in the middle of an intersection. Right? How many times have we, we know that, how many times have we been in an intersection and here they are changing lanes? You can't get your permit without answering that question right. But they'll do it. How many times have you seen somebody cross over a solid white line? Are you supposed to cross over a solid white line? No. no. Now, you know that. Does it stop you? <laughs> Just asking. It's supposed to be a dotted white line. That's the one you're supposed to go back. But as soon as it turns solid, the powers that be have decided this is not a safe place for you to change lanes. Therefore, thou shalt not change lanes. I don't, know, I don't even know if I've ever seen anybody pulled over for changing lanes with a solid white line. But I guess they could. 
we've got to go back, find out what the truth of the matter is, because it seems like we've strayed from it. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what, it, what they say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. See, sometimes people are beating each other over the head with the law. Knowing this, that the, the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and the insubordinate and the ungodly. Sinners, for the unholy, profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, that's homosexuals, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any, th- any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel, the, the blessed God which is committed to my trust. See, people are straying. People are getting away from these things and, and they're falling into this stuff because they stray from the truth. All right. Now, here, let's take it back to the basics. Here's a question for you. Why do people go to hell? Why, now, you, you, if you ask people in the street, why do people go to hell? Well, they're murderers. Are there murderers in hell? Or are there murderers in heaven? Yeah. Yeah, Paul's up there. He'll even tell you, I'm a murderer. I murdered people. Because they were worshiping God. He said, I'm a murderer. But he's going to heaven. Murderers can get to heaven. They repent. The thief on the cross. Think he made it into heaven? According to Jesus, he did. Well, they... People go to hell because they reject the truth of the gospel and go another way other than God's way to be saved. That's why they go to hell. They go to hell because they reject the truth of the gospel. You have every right to to accept or reject the truth of the gospel. You have every right to do that. But you will live with its consequences. Do you, as a driver, have the ability to go over 65, 70, 75 miles an hour, whatever the posted speed mark is. Do you have that ability? Yes, Yes, you do. Surely you do. But if you do it, you may pay the price. You ever see those signs? Fines doubled in work areas? Boy, that gets you a little little wondering, doesn't it? Hmm. wonder what the fine was. Now it's being doubled. Here's the underlying cause. This is the reason that sends people to hell. The reason people are going to hell is not homosexuality. It is not thievery. It is not all those things that are in the list. There is one main reason people are going to hell. And you can take all those sins, the sin of homosexuality, the sin of adultery, the sin of fornication, the sin of uh, being a thief, the sin of murdering, all the other things that were listed. We saw huge lists. But it all comes down to one thing. Once you hear this, it'll make sense to you. The underlying cause of this is pride. A proud person simply says, I will do it my way. And God must accept me as I am. That is pride. What does God do with the proud? He resists them. As long as you maintain a proud heart, you are on your way to hell. I don't care if you give up being a homosexual or being a lesbian or being a murderer or being a thief. I don't care if you give it up or don't give it up. You are on your way to hell if you do not deal with the pride issue. That is the underlying cause of what gets us there. What was the problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Why did they have such an issue with Jesus? 
It was pride. That was the reason. And it's why they couldn't accept anything that he taught. I'll show you a verse of Scripture. Well, a couple of them. We'll, we'll, main one I'll get to here in just a little bit. I just want to read these to you. In pro- I could not collect all of these and, and not be here until after the Eagles game was over. We went long last week. I don't want to do that again. Proverbs 15, 8. This, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who follows righteousness. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates con- uh, correction will die. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. So how much more the hearts of the sons of men? If you refuse correction, the word of God tells us, you will die. Don't refuse correction. Whom does the Lord correct? Those he loves. In uh, Proverbs 5, verse 8, remove, the way, remove your way far from her. This is speaking of the seductress. And do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. This is talking about adultery, fornication, not homosexuality. Because this is the man being drawn over to the woman's house. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, How I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instruct me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. If you do not receive correction, you will die. Now, take this into... We're just mostly looking at the issue of homosexuality, lesbians, folks folks in that area. If you go up to a person who is practicing homosexuality, not one who stumbles and falls into it, but is practicing it for the purpose of becoming better. That's why you practice it. That's their lifestyle. This is me. This is, and you all just need to accept me the way I am. Are they receiving correction? No. If they don't receive correction, what will happen to them? They will die. Second Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God is going to correct us. It needs to correct us. And even if we're not homosexuals, lesbians, adulterers, fornicators, and so how many of y'all know there's places that the Word of God is going to correct us? And I need to receive it. Here is the big one. John chapter 10. This is where you need to bring the issue down to. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was his winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how would you like to do that? Walk into Solomon's porch and all of a sudden, whoosh, and they're all, they surround you. Then the Jews surround him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Do they really want to know? They simply want him to declare it so that those people who would not receive it, they can get on their side. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered and said to them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep, as I said to you. Here it is, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's huge. My sheep 
know my voice. If you have someone who is involved in homosexuality, adultery, fornication, thievery, murder, and they practice such things, would God be speaking to him to them about quitting that? No. You think he's going to try? Did he speak to Paul? Paul, you're a murderer. Paul, you're a persecutor. You need to quit it. Would he speak to someone who's involved in homosexuality to get them out of it? If, if, God, if it's not God's will, would he speak to them? But they won't hear it. Why? Because they're not his sheep. The sheep of God follow him. And they know his voice. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. Remember the passage we just looked at. Depart from me, for I never knew you. I've said this before, but it is not important that we know about God. It's far more important that He knows about us. There's many people who know about God, but God does not know them. Depart from me, I never knew you. Well, God knows everybody. What's the word say? Yeah, but I've, I've always believed that God knows everybody. What's the word say? Depart from me, for I never knew you. If there's a difference between our opinion and the word, which one's right? The word. The word is right. The word is always right. Stay with the word. Verse 28. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. That's what he's saying. My sheep, they know my voice. They know my voice. They follow me. I know them. And I give to them. Who? Who does God give eternal life to? His sheep. Who are His sheep? The ones who hear His voice. The ones who hear His voice. If you cannot hear the voice of God, you're not His sheep. And you won't get eternal life. I don't care if you quit being a homosexual. Or a lesbian. Or a murderer. Or a drunkard. Or anything else that's in that list. It doesn't make any difference. Until you become one of his sheep, you do not receive eternal life. Well, I don't know if I ever heard the voice of God. If the word speaks to you, do you listen to it? Then you heard the voice of God. You see, there's people out there who refuse correction. They refuse it. And those folks, God can't help. These are the ones, he says, I give them eternal life. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. We just read that, didn't we? And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these do you stone me? The Jews answered Jesus, For good work we do not stone you. But for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. So if he would have said, I am the Christ, they would have stoned them then too. Because they're not able to hear anything but what they believe, what they think, what they know. That's it. They're closed off at that point. We are believing for Messiah, but we don't believe he's you. Even though you do this works of the Messiah, even though you've done all these other things, teach all these things, while operating authority we've never seen, no, you're not it. Jesus answered and said to them, It is not written in your law. I said, You are gods. 
If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and said into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? The Bible called everybody gods. What's your problem? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. Just because people seem to seek the truth doesn't mean they want to find it. Just keep that in mind, folks. Just because people seem to seek the truth, it does not mean they want to find it. And you're going to run into people like this. Giving truth to doubters is the same as casting pearls before swine. Same thing. There are some truth that you know that you cannot put out to the people that you are that are asking you questions because they don't know how valuable it is. And they won't treat it as anything valuable. And they'll get it dirty and they'll make it look awful. They'll make it so that no one wants it. Sum it up. Don't speak based on three things. Crisis, urgency, or trauma. Don't speak based on these things. Because people are going to try and get you to speak based on, well, on crisis. There's a crisis here. There's an urgency. There's a, uh, this is a very traumatic thing. If Otherwise, your word will cut you. Give you a little acronym there to remind you. Don't let your words cut you. Don't speak with crisis, urgency, or trauma. Don't be doing that. You've heard it said, think before you speak. But according to the Word of God, we should listen before we speak. Listen before you speak. It makes no difference what you think, what you can reason out. What you need to do is hear from God. Father God, what should I say to these people? When they ask me these questions, will homosexuals make it to heaven? What should I say to these people? Just because you know the truth doesn't mean you need to declare it to them. Because they may simply scuff it up, make it look awful, throw it back out there. And people said, oh, I don't like that doctrine. I don't like that part of God. Because people messed it up, got it all dirty. Luke 21, last scripture. Verse 12. Here's how you should behave. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogue and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for not my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. What he is basically saying is that I will give you answers like Jesus gave to his foes. Because they couldn't resist those things. They couldn't contradict those things. And if God doesn't give you anything to speak, maybe there is nothing to say. Sometimes we answer too many questions. When people are seeking after the knowledge, when people are seeking after the word, when people are seeking after the things of God, you can give them all kinds of things. But when people have become hardened, resistant, when they're in pride, there's only so much you can do. 
It's because of the condition of their heart. Not you. And not the frailty of the truth. The truth is powerful. But don't cast it before people who can't appreciate it. What you need to do, mostly, is get people off of the yes or no question with homosexuals and get them onto the heart issue. My sheep hear my voice. If you are concerned about yourself, about whether you're going to heaven, it's real simple. God says he gives eternal life to those who are his sheep. If you want to become his sheep, simply be one who listens to his voice. And when he speaks, you respond. You see, folks, if we get into fold, the sheepfold of Jesus, and he's our shepherd, it doesn't matter if we slip and mess up from the word here and there. Because when he comes and he says, Steve, you, you blew it there, I say, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. I, sh- I, I, I shouldn't have done that. And I'm immediately convicted, and I change my course. But you see, if I have an attitude and God says, Steve, you're involved in something you shouldn't do, and I say, I don't care. I think this is fine. I think this is all right. You, need to, you just need to accept me the way I am. Folks, you're in pride. And I don't care whether you're a homosexual or not a homosexual. Pride will get you resisted. But humility, he opens up the gates. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Be on the side of humble. Be on that side. Do you know some folks that are involved in homosexuality or lesbianism or some other things? God loves them. God wants them in the kingdom. And their fate is not sealed until the day they die. It doesn't matter if they were a homosexual for 30, 40 years and finally got their life right and died a week or two later. It wouldn't make any difference to God. God wants people in the family. But in order to get you in the family, you've got to become one of his sheep. To become one of his sheep, you've got to hear his voice. When you hear his voice, you respond. Are you one of his sheep? Would you all stand up with me? If you're not one of his sheep, it's real easy to take care of it. <laughs> if you're wondering, if I'm not sure if I'm one of his sheep, follow his voice. Follow his voice. Do what he says. There's so many more verses of Scripture we could get into on the sheep issue. You can look them up. Find them. But when we get questions like this, and it seems to just polarize people. I mean, some of the things Jesus said polarize people. That's all right. But look at how he answered. Study the way Jesus answered questions. Wow. Just amazing. My sheep... Hear my voice. What's he give them? Eternal life. Glory to God. How many of his sheep does he give eternal life to? All all of them. Just be one of his sheep. Father, we are thankful that we have a knowledge of you. We're even more grateful that you have a knowledge of us. We're becoming more and more like the image of Christ. That's our goal, is to become like the image of Christ. In order to get there, you speak to us corrective things to help us overcome 
some of the sins, some of the shortcomings that are in our life right now. Father, we are not sheep because we are perfect. We're sheep because we hear your voice. And I thank you that you love all people. Even those that have fallen into some of these sins in these lists that we looked over. But your desire is that they come out. They get born again and follow after you. Father, I thank you for the help that we can be to bring these people to you. Some people who come to us are generally seeking after God. And some people are just looking to make us look bad. But Father, you know their hearts and you will reveal those hearts to us. And we just need to respond. As you say, not all the places that we go should hear the truth that we know. But you will show us what things we should say, where we're at. We thank you for the help that you give us in that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we hope we helped you out with this issue. Just, uh, just some as you are facing some of these things in the world that is around us. Pray for the folks that are down in Houston. They are undergoing some, some pressure, some things. And um, there will be some things to try and make them, make them bulk, make them uh, come off of the word. But we, we don't want to do that. We have some praise reports. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, you know, as we're sitting here, we all know Christianity is under attack. And the things that are going down in, in Houston right now, how many of you have heard about the issues down there in Houston? Not, not too many. Um, the mayor of Houston, she is a lesbian. She just recently got married. Um, and she had some sort of a bill. They called it the, uh, I want to call it the Halo Bill or the Hero Bill, something like that where she was trying to get this through legislation, and what it was was that any, anybody could basically use any bathroom they wanted to. So if, I, if I'm in a, in a public women's facility and you happen to be a gay or transgender male, you can come in and use the same bathroom as I am. And so there was a lot of people up in arms about this bill, and they were trying to get it squashed. They needed a certain amount of votes to do so. Well, they got like four times the amount of votes that was needed. But one of the allies of this um, Parker, uh, Anise Parker, I think her name is, who was the mayor there, um, they kind of discounted a lot of the votes. They said, well, for whatever reason, they weren't, they weren't valid. So the bill got pushed through. So now all of those pastors who came up against her were brought under scrutiny. They were demanded, subpoenaed, to, support, uh, to supply to her their sermons, their text messages, private text messages with their um, congregational members, any emails, any type of correspondence whatsoever. Now, whether or not that was completely just pertaining to gay and homosexual agendas, I'm not sure, but just the fact that she was subpoenaing their private messages. You know, that's confidential stuff between pastor and members. That's not just something that anybody has a right to uh, to be privy to. So anyway, throughout this whole thing, now all these pastors are getting together, and actually on November the 1st, which is next, next Sunday, there's a big, um, a, a big service, I guess it's, it's called I Stand, and all these pastors are coming together. Some of them are actually flying into Houston to go to this particular church and show their support for uh, the pastors who are being persecuted there. Um, and then others, it's just going to be simulcast in, in the churches. And we're just standing with them that, you know what, you don't have a right. You know, one of the, one of the statements was um, just because a pastor is behind the pulpit doesn't mean that his First Amendment rights are negated. 
he still has the right to speak, to freedom of speech. Now, I'm sharing that with you to say this. The Christians are the ones that are being persecuted about this issue. But, can you hold this for me? Mm -hmm. This is what the Quran says. And Muslims, Islamic faith, believes this wholeheartedly and even to where they take it into their own hands. That if you are found as a homosexual or a lesbian, they kill you. They don't wait for God to determine heaven or hell. They kill you because they judge you. We're not the ones judging. We're simply stating what the scripture says, but they judge and commit the execution of that. So this is what the Quran says. Um, and one of them, and it's referring to Lot, actually, from, with Sodom and Gomorrah. It says, do you commit lewdness with such as no people in creation ever committed before. For ye practice your lusts on men in preference to women. Ye are indeed a people transgressing beyond your bounds. Sounds pretty much to me like they don't approve of it. It says, What of all creatures do, you, um, do ye come unto the males and leave the wives your Lord created for you? Sounds to me like it's not a natural thing. Sounds to me like they believe that God, their God, created man for woman and woman for man. So, you know, and it goes on. There's a whole bunch of them in here that, that talk about this. Um, and it says, this other one says, When a man mounts another man, the throne of God shakes. Uh, sounds pretty much to me. I don't like that. It says, Kill the one that is doing it and also the one that it is being done to. They don't, they don't hold anything back about this. We're being persecuted within the state saying that we're the ones who are judging. And the bottom line is we're not committing a judgment. We're just saying, you ask us what our opinion is, my opinion doesn't matter. And that's whenever I've had conversation with several people regarding this issue, and I basically tell them, my opinion is a mute point. What does the Word of God say? I have to face, t determine my belief on what the Word of God says if I choose to believe the Word of God. If you choose not to, then don't. But this is what it says. So we have to go along those lines. But, you know, like Pastor said, we don't always have to answer everybody because a lot of them, they're just out there to antagonize. They're just out there to, to push their point and to force things down our throats, and we don't have to accept it. Like Jesus said, don't cast your pearl before swine. If somebody truly wants to know the answer because they're struggling, if somebody really wanted to know how do I get to heaven, what are we going to do? We're going to share the, the truth with them. You know, and we're going to pray with them, and we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit reveal to them. Because, again, if they don't have revelation knowledge of salvation, they're not going to accept it. If somebody themselves does not have revelation knowledge of a particular sin, whether it's homosexuality, thievery, whether it's um, murder, uh, abortion, people don't even consider that to be murder. But yet God says, woe to those who shed innocent blood. I mean, it's, it's a life. But, you know, you've got people and their opinions on that one. So we just have to go back to the Word of God. Um, Anyway, praise reports. Nikolai said, praise God for favor in my new job. He says, I was able to help close a $17 million deal with a pharmaceutical company, which means bigger raises and bonuses. Praise God. And it solidifies his role that they created for him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, isn't that great? God creates places for you within your job. And the Ekpays, praise God, we have moved in. And let me tell you, their home is awesome. Beautiful. I'm so happy about that. So thanks to Pastors Connie, Steve, Bruce, Daryl, Keith, and Jack for helping out. Um, the Lord is our strength. Amen. Does anybody else have praise reports this week? I got these are um, some prayer requests. If you can take them. 
Um, this one's from Alyssa. It says, I was able to make a great connection with the facilities manager at one of the high-end event venues in Philadelphia. She told me she will be pushing for clients to use coordinators and that I'm her first choice. She says, I'm believing this will lead to many contracts at much more than my usual fee. Praise God. So, amen. We do have some prayer requests. Anybody have prayer requests this week? <laughs> 